0: Hello and welcome to the UK SIF Leadership Podcast. It's Oscar here on day three of COP26, discussing UK leadership on green taxonomies and global rules. I'm very pleased to be joined by James and Victor today. Victor is the Executive Director of EuroSIF. EuroSIF brings together the SIFs from across Europe, including us here in the UK and organizations in France, Spain, Switzerland, Italy, Germany and Ireland. Victor, it's really great to have you here and James we all know who you are by now and I've kicked James out of the moderator chair today and I'm really excited for the discussion ahead on taxonomies.
1: Hello, it's James and Sally here to let you all know about our podcast sponsor.
0: This COP26 series of the UK CIF leadership podcast is sponsored by Lion Trust. We're delighted to have them involved. Lion Trust is a specialist fund management company that was founded in 1995.
1: And as of July 2021, they had £34 billion in assets under management. Their aim is to have a positive impact on their investors, stakeholders, and society.
0: We're so pleased to have them on board for this series. Without the support of our partners, the podcast would not be able to happen.
1: So, without further interruption, let's get on with the episode.
0: Right, on to the first question. The UK government has published its Greening Finance Roadmap, setting out much needed policy clarity for the financial services sector on where sustainable finance regulation will go ahead in future. This included some new measures on the UK's green taxonomy and also on the UK's new disclosure requirements regime, the sustainability disclosure requirements framework. Uh, I'll start with you, James, if that's OK. It'd be really great to get any reactions that you might have to the updates set out in the UK's Green Finance Roadmap on the UK's approach to the green taxonomy and perhaps are there any clues on this roadmap on the role of the Green Technical Advisory Group, of which SIF is a member, in the development of the taxonomy going forward?
1: Thanks, Oscar. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really good to have this clarity, and I think that's a really important thing. And that's actually what we get from this document is a degree of clarity. And we've been we've been calling for this for some time. I think it's uh, you know it's about time that we had this clarity. I'm really pleased that it's come out. Um, we were, of course, uh, somewhat involved in, or certainly we got some sneak peeks of some of the bits of the document, partly by our role on the Green Technical Advisory Group, helping develop and devise the or advise government, I suppose, um, on the green taxonomy. Um, and uh, so, yeah, really pleased to see some of what we've been doing echoed and reflected in the document. So what does the document look at? Well, it covers, first of all, SDR, which is the UK's approach to um, SFDR, I think is probably the fairest way to describe it. Although I think it's realistic to say also that it's likely to be quite different. Um, and I think I'm sure, Victor, I'm keen on your, your thoughts on on what this difference is going to mean. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think something we've been talking about is you know how does sdr how is it going to align across Europe we know many of our members are are selling products internationally um and so if there's many things doing the same thing like what does that mean so i'm sure we're going to talk about that a lot more today um also it talks about the green taxonomy um and how the taxonomy will be being uh rolled out now really what it does is it tells us things that we fundamentally knew already you, you know the uk will have a green taxonomy um and that's partly because the uk has uh, in statute, the rules of the EU that were in place at the time that we left the EU. Um, and that was, th- those rules were already laid down that we would have a green taxonomy. It laid down the sort of framework and the structure of how the taxonomy would look um, and the different areas it would cover and things like do no significant harm. Of course, what it didn't do was go into the detail that the EU taxonomy has done in terms of the, the specific uh, screening criteria. Um, uh, and so there is a chance that the UK's version, again, will be different Um uh, but the framework around it is the same and that to be honest is the broad narrative that we get from the from the, the UK roadmap around the green taxonomy. Um, obviously I'm sure again we're going to talk about what we're looking to achieve as, as UK SIF uh, in the green taxonomy for the UK um, it also has sections on stewardship um, uh, broadly speaking you know we, we think that's going in the right direction actually. It's really important I think that it, raising the profile of stewardship as a really key way for achieving um, our net zero future um, from an investor perspective you know it is one of the major levers that we have as investors that are not actually readily available elsewhere um and so you know as uk SIF passionately we believe that stewardship has a really really key role to play um so really great to see that that called out um throughout the document there's references to the um the sustainability standards board of the ifrs um there are few if any references to working with the eu or to to mirroring some of the eu approaches um uh I'm, you know, we can read into that what we want, I think. But, you know, what we also get is assurance from ministers that, that they're not going to invent different systems just for the sake of it. And we've been really hard to push ministers on that um, and say, you know, please don't reinvent things if they work. If they're not working, fine, we can tweak them, but don't reinvent something just 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 for the sake of it. Um, and then there's also a couple of really interesting points in there um, around the development of a new labelling scheme for, for funds um, uh, that could have an interesting impact On greenwash, and uh, we know that consumers are confused that they lack trust uh, in the system, Um, and uh, you know, research has shown that quite a bit. Um, And then there's another really interesting piece, which is on regulating data providers, Um, uh, uh, and the expectation that the ESG data providers will fall under the regulatory net at some point. Um, How that's going to look, not sure, but um, you know, interesting to see that government has that. Um, What we do know, of course, is that is that for some time we've heard people expressing concern about the way that the, the data is it's uh, the data providers work in the sense that there's a lot of black boxes people don't know what goes on it creates the ratings that come out the other end um and maybe a bit more transparency and that would be would be uh, valued by the industry so I mean does that is that a helpful update, Oscar, and what's inside? That's fantastic,
0: James. And uh yeah, contrary to spoke a lot already. But before I turn to you, Victor, just one other question, James, uh relating to our involvement with the Green Technical Advisory Group. So for our listeners, uh the Green Technical Advisory Group or, or GTAG uh is advising Treasury on the development of the UK's green taxonomy. Oxaf is proud to be a member of the GTAG, representing um investors' uh views and expertise on this on this group uh, and James just a follow-up question for me is what role do you see the GTI playing in the development of the taxonomy in the UK going forward and, and do you think it's able to really exert significant influence over the development of the taxonomy it'd be great to get your thoughts there.
1: Sure thanks I mean I'm, I'm conscious you did actually ask me that question at the beginning so sorry I didn't answer it um I guess you know so GTAG has been set up um uh to advise is it, the word the A of GTAG stands for advisory group um and the government has made it clear on a number of occasions that that is what we do we advise we are not creating policy we're not shaping this um but nevertheless there are 18 people on that group um Leaders in their field, major experts um, who are coming together very regularly. In fact, I, I, I think it's fair to say that the period running up to the publication of the roadmap has been a sprint uh, like crazy to just get us to, to to the to the finishing line of 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 COP basically. Um, and uh, and and on some levels. I'm quite pleased we're now at that point because we can now actually sit back and take more time to reflect and actually answer the questions and think very much more seriously. And um, so on that sense, I'm quite pleased that the, the roadmap doesn't go into masses of detail on the taxonomy. And actually that's what we wanted because we need that next two years, which is which is the period of time where we're going to be uh, constituted as GTAG to, to, to be getting more into the details and answering some of the key questions. Um, nevertheless, the GTAG has been instrumental in answering key questions like should we diverge um, uh, from from, or in what way should we diverge from the EU taxonomy and um, uh, you know how we can what other taxonomies around the world are going on um, you know what's what's being developed so yeah I think I think we've got a big role to play there's a lot of really key people that know a lot about what they're talking about but I suppose one caution is that there are only three of us whose job is to represent financial market participants um, on the GTAG out of 18 um, and so we've got a really really key key role to do to, to bring in the views of members um so in that sense what we've done is uk SIF, we've just constituted a, a or, or created a kind of an advisory group to our participation in the advisory group um we're beefing up our policy capacity um and we will be engaging members very regularly on this we've got a survey coming out relatively soon uh, of members um and uh so so watch this space for that. But also we're we're gonna have several roundtables, I think, throughout throughout the next year, um, where we bring members together to try and get to the grips of key questions and key challenges that we want members to participate in.
0: Thanks very much, James. Really good to hear those reflections um, on your experience so far on the Green Technical Advisory Group. Um, It'd be great to turn to to you, Victor, next. Um, The EU had its own version of the Green Technical Advisory Group called the Technical Expert Group. um, And it'd be fantastic to hear your thoughts, Victor, now on how might the UK GTAG learn um, from the Technical Expert Group in Europe? And are there any lessons um, lessons for the UK to learn from the EU as it turns towards uh, its taxonomy in the coming months?
2: Thanks, Oscar, and thanks for <coughs> having me here today with uh, with you. And I think it's you know it's great to hear all the updates about you. You know the, the similarities and the direction of travel, and you know see the commonalities, and and hopefully also you know see where uh, UK is learning from the you know the the, the the slight challenges that the EU sustainable finance agenda has faced in its uh, in, in its rollout. I, I think you know. The, 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 the EU's already now been, for a couple of years, embarking on the journey of a taxonomy. So I think, you know, while, while the system is not fully operational yet, I think we can already draw a number of of interesting conclusions and lessons about how you go about the process. And I think the the first one, I think, is has been pivotal in the EU is the question of, what, what are you actually seeking to define? What are you trying to achieve? And what are you trying to define? And for obvious political reasons and to, 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 to you know, sidestep political hurdles, you decided to, to start off by defining a green list of, of what is actually sustainable. What, so you know, t- take the challenge of climate change, what are the economic activities that uh, if we have them in the certain performance level uh, are fully aligned with a scenario of a you know paris aligned carbon neutral economy in 2050 uh, which the, the you know the advantages it's a positive story uh, you don't tend to you know uh, tar and feather anyone or point the finger at anyone uh, but the challenge is that when you do the analysis, you realize, well, you know, uh, a large part of our economies are not on that trajectory currently, which means that the number, the, the size of activities covered is very small. And invariably, as a result of that, uh, we've come very much to the debate of uh, how do you cover off the transition in that system? How do you cover off transition finance? Because it's all, you know, it's full, fine, and well telling us how the world should look like in 2050. But now the challenge is how do you build the roadmap or the open the map that shows you the journey from now to 2050. And that's all about transition and how different sectors need to decarbonize uh, to meet that objective and and how that decarbonization and transition pathway looks for those sectors. And I think then you start facing very different challenges. So I think that's very important uh, as a lesson for the GTAG is to be very clear what you're trying to define from the onset because if your journey is not very clear you might you know end up in a place you didn't expect or you didn't want to um, and that kind of muddies the water and we're seeing that now in the eu with the debate around uh, you know should certain energy sources be included or not in the taxonomy do you know are they green do they have the role to play and i think what you see on many of those energy sources i think it's undeniable that they all have some role to play between now and 2050, but it's also undeniable that some of them normally in 2050, if we reach the climate objectives, should have no or very little role to play anymore in the energy mix. I think it's these kind of discussions that, 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 that you know, I think we need to be very aware of from the start when you're trying to do. I think that's for me, the second biggest lesson to learn is as well, what, what are you what is the use case for the tool you're developing? And what we saw is initially the taxonomy was clearly defined as something targeting private finance, uh, private investors, private capital, which, uh, you know as we recall from the Paris Agreement, leveraging private finance is a key driver to achieve these, the, the climate objectives. So that was the rationale behind it. What you saw at, at the height of the COVID pandemic was the need to, to, to leverage a lot of public money to jumpstart the economy, to avoid that we enter into a depression and to, to smoothen the ride. Now, of course, it was, you know, we, we all heard the slogans, build back better, a green recovery, uh, you know. And, and then the question, you know, the question invariably popped up of, well, you know, maybe we should use taxonomy as well to, to think about our public spending for the next couple of years. And I think that's where you started to see Uh, I think the the, the, the political resistance to something like taxonomy increased dramatically. Um, And it increased dramatically, I think, both for wrong reasons and good reasons. Uh, Wrong reasons that it was a a clear attempt at at watering down some of the standards. Uh, Good reasons in the sense that uh, a, a list designed to tell you how to spend your money and where to invest in 2050 is useful, but it's not that's useful if you're deciding how to spend the money in the next two years, knowing the the technological constraints and investment constraints in certain sectors that that, that we know Mm -hmm. exist. Um, So in that sense, you know, second piece of advice is be very, very clear from the start what the use case is, uh, because that allows, I think, to hopefully have a more informed debate about taxonomy, because I think taxonomy in the EU has been a, a kind of a piece of legislation that has suffered from a, a tremendous amount of fake news and fake facts, and of, of dichotomies and 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 you know and 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 contra- contrast contrasts that that are just not justified and are not uh, you know uh, are, are not we don't see some of those you know fears translated into the reality of how investors are going to implement and use that. So um, I think that would be kind of my 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 two takeaways from uh, don't don't necessarily you know or try avoid the pitfalls that that that, that, that we faced.
1: Do you, do you think the EU, the EU taxonomy is no longer science based and I think you know this this is a, a really it's probably a quite a hard question to answer. You know, we're all talking about we've got to follow the science. We've got to follow science at 1.5 degrees. But, you know, it does feel to me like the EU for taxonomy has gone away from science slightly. I mean, we, 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 we you know, we hear a lot about you know gas being put into the taxonomy. Now, the whole point in my mind of the taxonomy is not that it just covers all of the bits of the industry that are there that exist right now, even if we don't want them. It's actually that you know, these are the green bits. That, that, that will gradually grow as a chunk of the economy as we reach closer to net zero. Now, whether or not that's the right approach for taxonomy, you know, I'm not sure necessarily that it is, but that's another question. But still, you know, putting gas in, for example, as being this is an example of super green stuff feels to me like it's wrong. And I just wonder, you know, has it has it stepped away from the science? And can can the, the UK
2: actually learn that, take that
1: lesson on board? I
2: think, you know, uh... Slightly controversial answer from my side. Uh, that's the fact. That's the reality of the matter. When you're 27 countries around the table with 27, 27 different energy systems, economic systems, different sectors, you're invariably going to have to compromise. And people have different visions of that. You can take a classic example of you know, bioenergy and forestry. Depending on which part of Europe you come from, you think it's either a, you know. Terrible for the environment or you think it's the greatest thing for the environment that's ever happened uh, and and you know somebody must be wrong in that debate uh, you can't uh, science can't be both saying it's super sustainable and not sustainable so i think that's the you know that that's the reality uh, of it uh, i think it's pretty it's a pretty difficult statement at this state to say whether we've deviated from science or not but i think what that i think what's important is to understand are you talking about about green activities, like, like, you know, sustainable kind of 2050 aligned activities. If you want, are you talking about transition activities? Because let's not forget the EU taxonomy does foresee in the existence of transition activities. Now you've talked about gas. Um, if you look at the IEA scenarios for 2050, uh, it's clear that that we may see a, a, a temporary short term rise in the use of gas in the next 15 years. Uh, potentially as a substitute for coal, which is the worst fossil fuel from a climate perspective even. So in that sense, you know, transition, it makes sense to, you know, it, can you ignore gas? Like, can you ignore nuclear? Probably not very much. Uh, but again, you know, the question is, if, it, if the list is supposed to tell you what's aligned in 2050, then yes, it becomes very hard to explain why natural gas features in that list. So, um, but I think you know that's 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 where, unfortunately, science hits political reality, and you know the need to reach political compromises.
0: That's a really interesting point, Vix. And I suppose obviously the makeup of the EU, with all the different member states and interests and sectors within those, makes compromise very difficult, and it has made the the process of delivering a green taxonomy in Europe very difficult and i suppose james i want to ask you you know can the uk avoid some of these issues experienced uh by european policymakers just because of the fact that you know we are several nations and we aren't a, a, you know far more uh, member states what do you think james it'd be great to get your thoughts you know is it even possible for us and for uk policymakers to learn from some of the stakes um in europe oh i mean absolutely it's possible i think
1: i think you know i think victor makes a really good point that, that trying to get 27 eu countries aligned around something is difficult when you try to do it around something that you've then publicly stated should be being used as the basis for short-term COVID recovery funds and everything else, you, you basically tie tie yourself completely up in knots and, as far as I can tell, make it completely impossible to to, to get something that that is perfect at that point. And um, now, of course, public policy is not about finding the perfect; it's about finding what can work. And and so, you know, I, but I think I think we have a chance to get a taxonomy that's gonna that potentially is going to be much closer to perfect, perhaps, than the EU has been able to do um, because of the situation that we're in. And I suppose um, we've got a government that is very publicly, and in the roadmap, I think, talks about that the, they want the UK taxonomy to be aligned with science. We've been pushing really hard, learning the lesson from from the victors outlined. Um, and actually, this is a really key uh promotion for why we are members of Eurosif uh, um uh, because we get so much amazing intel um about what's going on in brussels and obviously what happens in brussels affects us here in, in the uk um and so uh you know trying to to learn that lesson of this is not a swiss army knife it it, it doesn't serve 16 different functions in one go it, it it is one tool in the toolbox and you make that tool to be perfectly designed for the function that it's supposed to form um and if you want to do something else well you need to find a different tool and you need to use a different tool that you know that can be based on what we have um but it's not it shouldn't necessarily be the same thing and that's one of the messages that we're pushing uh, on the advisory group um you know keeping it science based keeping it aligned but and i think you you know, the government has said they want to see that happen but of course aligned to the UK economy, the UK's transition pathway um, and the UK's uh, specific uh, scenario around how it's going to get to net zero which again I think is another another um, uh, thing that means that we perhaps might be able to get it more science-based. Um, in terms of other things that we um, that we want to see from the taxonomy, I think one of the challenges is that obviously, from today to tomorrow, we're not going to get to net zero. So we've got to, you know, we've got to make this work over the long term up to twenty fifty, which is when we want to get to net zero. Um, and so it's got to, uh, not in our view, not just have that thin slither of the economy that is completely net zero, that is perfectly aligned to, to, to net zero for the future. Um, and i think the analysis of the eu taxonomy victor you can tell me if i'm wrong is, that, is that's about 5% of the european economy was covered in that in the kind of green taxonomy um, now for us the challenge there for feels that if you can't find an, an investment that meets your other investment criteria in that 5% then what is the entire rest of the economy equally the same it's either green or it's not green i mean that that, that clearly isn't reality it's not a binary thing um, and so how do we how do how do we make it so that there's you know, the nuance, the shades of green. So you've got your kind of 5% that is the perfect green um, stuff that that will make us hit 2050. The hope, of course, being, or the necessity being that that increases over time. Um, But you've also got investments then in other sectors that are under transition. The way I sometimes think about it is maybe, I don't know, five years ago, we thought the Prius was about the greenest car you could buy. Um, uh, Of course, it still had fossil fuels, but it was a hybrid. But much of the technology that underpinned the Prius, created the electric vehicles that we now use. Um, and so obviously, at some point, the Prius, you no longer say a Prius is green, you say a, a electric vehicle is green. Um, and so the same, I think, is true for other areas of the economy, but in different stages of development. So there's key areas that we know we need and that aren't going to go anywhere, concrete, steel making. you know, these are key industries that, are, that, that, that need to transition that Are very hard to transition but they're essential for the future and aviation is another one um you know obviously we need to reduce our flying but actually we also need to find ways to fly more sustainably Um, uh, and so you know these are sectors under transition um and so we need to start thinking about incorporating the economy uh, into the taxonomy the the areas of the economy that are transitioned that are under transition and how that can be built in perhaps you know and thinking this through perhaps you know with sunset clauses that say you know we predict that this technology will be superseded by something greener in you know the following year or 2030 2040 whatever it is um, and that can be continually updated and so you know I think that this is this is one of the one of the pieces now I don't know and Victor actually really keen on your thoughts on that but also more specifically does that do we would we want to do that actually as a very kind of 700 page rule book like the taxonomy is or are there ways of doing that in a more principle-based way where we kind of say okay we actually get if you want to invest in something that you think is part of the transition you've got to explain why you think that's part of the transition rather than us necessarily writing a full list that says these are all the things that we think are the transition can that work can that can that principles-based approach work yeah <laughs> i think that you
2: know that there's a there's a there's a there's a few things to do untangle there because I think you're, you're right that that the, the the drawback we see with the taxonomy uh, is uh, that the you know, actually the you know share of the European economy aligned with the new taxonomy is probably smaller than the five percent actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but the fact the fact is also you know it's not it's not binary in the sense that the rest is not green. It's just the rest is just not fully aligned with 2050. Now we know it's completely, you know, it can be far from aligned or it can be very close to. And that's the problem, is the challenge is how do you capture all those very different realities in a system? And I think the for me, and that's that's very much on a on a personal basis here, but for me, I'm I'm still always wondering whether a taxonomy, like a list that is relatively rigid, is the best way of capturing a, such a dynamic process, which we know that the transition is going to be rather dynamic. Uh, so I think that's 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 something where I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that, that 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 is the best way forward. Um, I think on the point you made, you know, like, like when we have some set clauses, I think, you know, with the taxonomy, it's ultimately it's gonna be a question of what what do you want it to be? Uh, Do you want it to be a tool that sends strong signals to investors? We know for long-term investment decisions that investors like certainty. So they like certainty. And so building in sunset clauses or saying, I'm gonna review all those standards every two years, builds in uncertainty (laughs) in the system. And there I think you get a question Right. Is that then going to be the policy signal investors need to, to decide how to allocate the money? Or or does the policy signal need to come from other public policy? And is the taxonomy then only just a reporting mechanism so that the investors can inform the outside world and clients about how much effort they're putting into aligning or or you know or transitioning towards that, that that objective? And on the transition, you, 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 you're right. I mean, we we know. We know more or less which sectors of the economy need to transition. Uh, we know that that some of them can. Uh, we know that probably some activities can't. I mean, we know that you know certain types of manufacturing are, for example, probably likely to still have some greenhouse gas emissions even by twenty fifty, even in the best technologies that that we have. Uh, and we know it's going to be a very uncertain process. And I think that's the the question. Then, is because you know, and I think that's for me. Where you see the debate now shifting towards is, is can you capture transition in a taxonomy? Or are you potentially better off looking at things like transition pathways and defining on a principles based what a transition of a particular sector or country looks like, and then get companies to report against that and report on, on are they on that trajectory? Are they miles off? Uh, or are they actually, you know, hopefully overshooting their own ambition and ahead of schedule. Uh, and I think that's a, so that's a you know, different, uh, different, different discussion. And to
0: stick with you, Victor, if that's all right, where do you think Europe is heading on this? Do you think we'll ultimately see a transitional taxonomy? I think it's Canada that is due to publish its own transitional uh, taxonomy um, by the end of this year, I believe. So um, to put you on the spot a little, Victor, with a prediction, where do you think things will head in Europe? is it a bit hard to, de- to determine at this point?
2: I think I think hard to de, to de, to determine. I think you know we'll 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 probably have some form of 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 transition list, uh, but again you know again the, the 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 challenge I think we might face there is that you can't have a universal answer for the whole of Europe, and what I mean by that is if say and you know, when I want to pick on particular countries, but if for example a you know a country has a A energy mix, for example, where coal is still very much present, them switching to gas is a relatively good thing. It's an absolute terms probably not where you need to go by twenty fifty, but it's still improving it already. Whereas if you're in another country where renewables are already dominant and very present, then allowing that saying to that country, I'm going to build gas fired power plants, that's not. Really, the transition we need. So, I think that's also going to be the challenge: is 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 the fact that different countries, different sectors, are at different starting points, and and, and how do you get them to improve, which in a way that aligns with the, the absolute objective, which is you know uh, Paris aligned by 2050, uh, in recognizing that, that that regional difference, and not having one list deciding it for, for everyone. Is that is that really are we are,
1: are we really in the position where some countries are going to transition via gas to renewables? Is do we do we have to be in that position, or is that just the pragmatic reality of the situation we're in?
2: It's the pragmatic. Uh, it's the pr- pragmatic uh, reality we are now. Obviously, I think you know everyone would love those countries to 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 you know make a technological jump forgo gas entirely and move straight to renewables, that, that'd be great. Uh, but I think, you know, <laughs> at this stage, you know, and, and the debate might be very different in, in six months time, but the fact is now uh, the unfortunate thing of, of COP uh, happening now is that we are in the middle of a, a high energy price crisis, which means that, that suddenly things like, you know, the security of supply of energy is for politicians of paramount concern. Uh, six months ago, I think that probably far fewer politicians would have security of supply for, you know, energy as high on their list of priorities. Yeah,
1: that's that's fair. that's a fair point. And you know, clearly that's hit the UK as much as it's hit elsewhere. The 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 British government's response to that, interestingly, has been that nuclear needs to be right at the heart of everything. And actually you see that through the through all of the net zero plans that have been published, not just consideration of building big new nuclear power stations, but but considering kind of mini power stations, mini nuclear power stations. I don't know if that technology actually even exists yet, but that's you know, that's what the government is talking about here um to do security It's about clearly not every kind. Country in Europe, I think in specifically of Germany, is very excited about nuclear. Um, so, yeah.
2: Some other countries
0: are much more excited about nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, France, of course.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, it was interesting, uh, James Bitts, to see that commitment to nuclear um, in the net zero sector strategy published uh, last month uh, by the UK government. And indeed, it featured quite prominently in Boris Johnson's speech. Um, to Conservative Party conference, citing nuclear as part of the solution to the net zero transition. I've um, really very much enjoyed uh, this portion of the discussion, and I think it probably leads us very neatly into um, the final uh, part of the discussion for the sort of final five minutes or so around, you know, the experience of different countries with their taxonomies and how can we encourage a little bit more harmonization or at least coordination on the development of taxonomies going forward? Clearly, it's not just the EU and us here in the UK who have started work on a green taxonomy. Canada is also looking at this. Um, China, I think, as well, although the United States actually recently has said that it has no plans currently to look at a green taxonomy, which I thought was very notable. Um, So my um, my question to, to you, James and Victor, is, you know, is is the promise of delivering harmonisation and coordination on international taxonomies? Is this a noble objective? To what extent is this a really realistic objective for the UK? And the UK to pursue, um, or is this going to end sort of badly for both uh, Europe and the UK? Perhaps start with with you,
2: Victor. Um, I always like to be optimistic, but in this case, I find it hard to be optimistic and be realistic. I i. I'm not certain we will see full harmonisation. I think what what we can hope for is that the principles behind what a taxonomy should be and the core principles and building blocks are the same. Whereby you know you 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 get the same I guess uh, policy intent behind it, and therefore you see minimal divergence. But unfortunately, I, I do think we're going to see divergence simply for the reason that that if it's a if it's a list, if it's meant every time as a list or as a framework to kind of help steer investors towards particular investments, um, again, it's the, it's the transition, it's about where you go to. So you, you may see, I think, rather similar green taxonomies because the end station, particularly for I think very developed economies, you'd, you'd, be, you know, you'd be surprised that they're very fundamentally different. So I think, you know, they, they, they probably are going to be rather similar. I think it's where the, you come to the transition bit where I think you'll see a lot of divergence simply because the paths are different. I mean, you know, we've got uh, countries with strong manufacturing sectors. We've got countries with large agricultural sector. We've got uh, countries around the world that are commodity exporters. We've got emerging markets that are different. You know. And obviously, the answer is not going to be the same for all those countries in exactly the same way. So, therefore, I, I, I you know, unfortunately, I think there will be divergence. And uh, the question is, does it really matter that there's divergence in the brand scheme of things or, or you know, or not?
0: It'd be great to get your, your view, uh, views, James, uh, as well, on, on this issue of divergence versus harmonization. You know, is there a role for the UK to support efforts globally to encourage a uh, better coordination of taxonomies Or or once again, you know, is this a bit of a naive, unrealistic objective for the UK to pursue?
1: I mean, I I think in answer to Victor's last comment, it definitely does matter that there is this convergence. You know, we, we are a global industry. People are investing internationally. They've got clients internationally. You know, not least between the UK and the EU, where of course up till recently we were part of the same basically trading block. And you know, so there is huge amounts of crossover there. Um, and so I think I think it does matter. And I think I think that we do actually need to be taking this more seriously as a as a problem. Um, and uh, you know, so so. I mean but I also agree with Victor, this is gonna get worse before it gets better. Um and I think we are unfortunately the argument that we've been making i think victor as well that that we should be in a competition for skills we should be in a competition for innovation for 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 you know reputation and other things but we should not be in a competition for standards um, uh, and and approaches um and regulation i think that 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 argument has not been won and i think there is definitely a view that countries will put in place the regulation that they think is right almost kind of in that slight vacuum and i think we we it's very easy for countries to forget that they are existing in a global marketplace and 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 working internationally and that's that's a shame and i think that that time will start you know over time that will start to change but i think i think it is going to it is going to be problematic first and then and then it will it will work more effectively now the one thing that that we do have in our favor is that um the UK has said a lot that it is um, going to work with the uh, ISSB, which is the International Sustainability Standards Board, which is being set up by the IFRS Foundation. Um, and I think at some point over this COP, we're going to get an announcement of uh, some of the members of that is my expectation. Um, and you know, we look to that to rapidly start coming up with some some approaches. Um, my concern, though, is that this becomes a lowest common denominator thing, and the, and that um, you know they'll just try and get over the line what can be agreed um, across the the different countries they work in and across the group. Um, And unfortunately, the reality of the climate challenge is the lowest common denominator is not going to solve it. And so, you know, any country that's serious about taking action will look at what ISSB is doing and say, well, we're going to have to do more. We have to do more. Um, And, you know. There is there is still a scenario that it's not lowest common denominator, and we actually get some quite forward thinking work coming out of them, and that's of course what we we're pushing for, and I'm sure Victor's the same. Um, uh, but but you know that, that you know we'll just have to wait and see on where that on where that lands. Um, but yeah, I mean I think I think that's where where we like. I think,
2: and I think that, I think on that point, you know, I think it's interesting to see here uh, the the this this. I think this—I wouldn't call it tug of war—but it's this strange uh, interaction with the efforts done by the EU at this stage as well, which obviously have a slightly different um, remit in terms of the scope and topics it's trying to address, and the, the way it's looking at those those reporting standards. Because um, I think I think the EU has been quite careful to 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 be supportive of the ISSB, but to, exactly to your point, James, saying you know. We're not going to wait for the lowest common denominator. If we feel we need to move forward, we are going to move forward. Now, that's that. You're right that that brings challenges of you know harmonisation and fragmentation with it. Um, but I think that's again, you know, it's interesting to see that the probably political realities or the political appetite for certain things is different in different countries as well. The, th- the, well, the one thing i think we've got in our favour
1: though is that the uk is quite keen to work internationally it's keen to assert itself internationally it, it's pres- we 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 all forget this but its presidency of the cop starts this week and lasts for a year it's not over uh, by the end of uh, the next you know this fortnight that we're in um and uh, and and actually also we have the finance stock take happening at the next cop as i understand it um and so this could actually be a year where the uk's presidency does actually have some focus looking at looking at uh, finance um and where the UK might be able to use some of its international leadership that is, that is building through through presidency of the COP um, to, to start pushing for some of these things and pushing for some of this to, to, to move further and faster and to be a bit more aligned. Um, and my sense is that there are other countries that would be amenable to that, um, you know, Diverging for the sake of diverging is not in anybody's interest, I don't think. Um, And I think the more that we as financial services say that as well, the the, the stronger that message comes across.
0: Thanks very much, James and Victor. We're very unfortunately coming to the end of today's uh, podcast. And I think it'd be great to get reflections from both of you in terms of, you know, what are some of the next steps that uh, those of us listening who are UK CIS members should be looking out for? You know, where are things going to go in the UK in the next few months and also um, in in the EU, where are things going to be going? Maybe start with you first, Victor. Um, You know, will there be some clarity on the treatment of uh, nuclear and natural gas? Um, Will there be some clarity for these sectors coming um, in Europe for its green taxonomy? Thank you.
2: I think that's the, uh, that's the million dollar question always. Uh, I think if, if something from the EU sustainable finance uh, has shown us in the last three years is that timelines is never always the timelines we expect. So, uh, you know, I, I'm afraid I don't have the answer to that. Um, but I, I think what we can expect is indeed further discussions on uh, covering off other environmental topics. Let's not forget uh, taxonomy discussion for now has been dominated entirely by the climate agenda. We have barely really touched on the you know, nature and biodiversity agenda. We haven't really dealt with the circular economy, water use, which, which are in you know, tremendous challenges in their, of their own. So I think definitely we we'll see that. Um, there will be invariably the question of, of, of how do we extend the you know, those discussions to the more social remit? Uh, do we do a social tam- taxonomy? Uh, if so, what shape does it take? Is it similar or different to, to the environment? taxonomy? So I think those discussions on, on the one hand, and further, you know, we, we we probably see some 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 developments along the line of what you discussed in the UK roadmap at the beginning, which is that the you know probably the whole debate about transparency and disclosure of financial products, uh, you know, the SFDR that that's going to rumble on for a while. And we may see some developments there, and some, you know, some, 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 some policy discussions on whether the regime is working, uh, whether you know it needs tweaking, uh, and finally, you know, our expectations also obviously that the, the question of data providers and ESG ratings and how do you regulate those, what are the public policy problems you're trying to solve? You know, is that transparency? Is that uh, you know? Is that uh, the fact that you have a, a limited number of large suppliers out there? So, it's a, what is the policy challenge that you're trying to address for regulation, if any? And I think we will see those discussions emerge at that European level as well. And I think there it will be important indeed that we hopefully have some coordination uh, between the UK and the EU to make sure that uh, you know that we don't end up with different rules because. The data data and information is at the heart of this whole agenda uh, whether you talk taxonomy disclosure benchmarks esG ratings it's uh, it's everywhere
0: that's great thank you very much Victor and uh, James I think the last word will be with you for today's podcast um a sense like like Victor's question a sense of you know what's coming down the pipe um, for our members um in the uk uh,
1: in- uh, yeah. Uh, I mean def- definitely I was going to say some of the same things that Victor said and um, particularly that focus on nature I had the city minister John Glenn saying just the other day that that they are very aware that that the, you know that the climate change is not the only e issue in ESG um, that there are huge challenges around nature of biodiversity and other things we wrote a letter recently to the government talking about this, which we' got a very positive response to. Um, and I think that, that you know there is the other cop that we forget about, which is uh, the cop related to biodiversity, which has kind of been split into two parts uh, and happening in China. Um, and, and, and that's you know equally uh, you know equally big challenge, TNFD as well as TCFd. Um, starting to come forward. Um, the those of you that were able to join the uh, UKSIF AGM a couple of weeks ago would have heard from Sasha Sedan, the uh, new director of ESG at the FCA, um, uh, and the first time that that post has actually existed. So um, uh, uh, he's a he's a force of nature and has some some really interesting and big ideas for how. He wants to see things move forwards and and I think very forward thinking. Um, And then I think the other piece is transition plans. Um, And there's something I forgot to mention when summing up the roadmap was that there's a big piece about transition plans um, and looking at uh, not just transition plans for financial services, but transition plans for corporates more generally. um, And the expectation that that those are going to. You know, there's the, gonna the pressure to create them and produce them and to make sure that they are. You know, it's not just a sort of oh yeah, we're going to be net zero by 2050, but it's actually a case of well, how? You know, what what are what are the details that underpin the question that the, you know that statement? Um, and what are you going to be doing next year and the year after and the year after that? Not just. You know, some target long into the future, beyond the point where the current management of a company no longer is in post. So, you know, I think these are really big, big topics that are going to start coming to the fore. Um, and
0: and I think that's
1: you know, there's a, there's a lot of positives in there. This is this is an agenda that I think we're now in a stage where climate change, tackling climate change, the role of financial services in that is undisputed. Um, where it's recognized that, that alongside every other part of the economy, we've got to act as well. And 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 also as an industry, we recognize that we want to act and we want to play our part. And we we know that we need to do that. So we're in a really strong position. We've got governments across the world that now that are supportive of taking climate action uh, to a greater or lesser degree. Um, and uh, you know, so so things are moving in the right direction. The, question of course is will they move fast enough um to make to meet the 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 scale and speed of the challenge that we need to address
0: that's great thanks so much james well i think that brings us to the end of our podcast uh for today unfortunately thanks so much both it's been a really excellent discussion we've covered so much ground uh, in our discussion today. Um, just to say to all our um, audience, don't forget to like, subscribe, and tune into our other episodes coming up throughout COP26. You can find us on Twitter at UKSIV, that's all on word, and speak soon. Thanks.